0: Good morning, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. So as we remember last week, last week I talked about uh, how uh, we need to take heed to the Word of God, we need to walk in the Word of God, we need to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. So with that in mind, with that same thought in mind, here it is that the Apostle Paul continues to talk to the church of Thessalonica, right to the church of Thessalonica through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is what we have right here in the Word of God. He tells them that they need to walk in it. He tells them that they need to excel all the more in it, in the instruction of the Word of God. And so that's when we come to verse 3. And in verse 3, he says, for it is the will of God. So it is the will of God. The will of God in our lives is to walk in the Word of God. The will of God in our lives is to excel in the Word of God. So as we walk in the Word of God, we excel in the Word of God. We continue to grow. We continue to be the men and the women that God so desires for us to be. He says, this is the will of God uh, for our lives. And so, you know, when we think about the will of God, so often we ask ourselves the question, well, what is the will of God in my life? What's the will of God for, uh, you know, I'm in high school right now. about to graduate from high school. What's the will of God? What college do I need to go to? Do I need to go to a college? Do I need to go to a vocational school? You know, what's going to be the direction of my life. So I'm in college. I'm about to graduate from college so what kind of job do I need to have within my life? What kind of career field am I going to pursue within my life? Now that I'm in a career field you know where do I need to live? Where do I need to buy a house? Where do I need to settle down at? Now that I'm in that and I have my job, I have my career field going, uh, who am I going to marry? You know, Who am I going to marry within my life? Who's going to be my spouse? Who am I going to spend the rest of my life with and have children with and raise a family with and so you know as you begin to think about those things are those are all very important things as we think about the will of god uh, within our life you know i'm a i'm a christian i'm a child of god where do i need to go to church at you know all of those things are important uh, things that we take into consideration when we when we're thinking about the will of god we're thinking about the direction of god within our life god what is your will now none of those things are certain within the word of god Nowhere in the Bible uh, does it say that, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you need to do this in your career field or you need to do uh, go to this certain school or you need to go uh, and marry this particular person, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it give you the direct will of God, but in so many other areas of our life, the Bible gives us the absolute will of God in which we have no question about whatsoever. So oftentimes we look at the big picture and in the big picture, we're thinking about the will of God within the big picture when what we really need to be doing is thinking about the will of God in our everyday small steps. Amen? Because in our everyday small step, when we're walking out those everyday small steps that the Word of God is extraordinarily clear about the things that we ought to be doing, the things that we shouldn't be doing, guess what? The things in the big picture are going to fall into place as well. Amen? Because if you're walking out the will of God and you are accepting all the more in the word of God and, and you're walking those things out you know what when the big picture things come God is going to put you where you need to be or keep you away from where you don't need to be I remember the very first time my wife and I bought a new car the very first time we bought a new car there it is it opened up a witnessing opportunity for us to share the gospel because we went into a side room and as we went into this side room we just kind of had a private time of prayer and we started praying about you know whether or not God wanted us to buy this particular car and you know we're seeking the will of God out for our life. a Iowa salesman comes in and he walks in on us praying about this which then opens up an opportunity for us to begin to share the gospel he was already a Christian already a child of God but you know when we think about that every area of our life we ought to be seeking the will of God uh, in those areas but that ought to not just be for the big decisions within our life. It ought to be for every single minute step that we take within our life, for every direction, for everything that we do. And so when we look at this, he says here in verse three, the word of God says, for this is the will of God. And so again, For everything in our lives, we're not always going to know what the will of God is, but he lists three things right here, three things that are definitely the will of God and three things that are undoubtedly the will of God, three things that we ought to be abstaining from and three things that we ought to be doing pertaining to the direct will of God within our life. For this is the will of God, verse 3, your sanctification, your sanctification is the will of God in your life. There's sanctification. Now what does it mean to be sanctified? What what does it mean that I am a, a sanctified human being? Now first of all when you become a Christian the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. You are washed. Your sins are set free. Your sins are removed from you. As far as the east is from the west your sins are blotted out. You are made white as snow. Every stain of sin has been wiped away from you, uh, from you. therefore you are sanctified. What does that mean? That means that you have been made holy. You are sanctified. You have been made holy. But at the same time, we have a process of sanctification that we go through. And so, therefore, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are made holy. We are sanctified. We are sinless. But at the same time, we struggle with the flesh. We have the battle with the flesh and within the flesh we need to become sanctified and the way that we become sanctified is by seeking the will of God for our everyday lives and walking in the will of God for our everyday lives and walking through it in the power of the Holy Spirit for our everyday lives and so to be sanctified literally means that you are made holy it's the same thing same root word that we get sanctuary from right so this is a sanctuary. We think of it as a holy place. It is a holy place that we come into and we have reverence in here. But you know the word of God tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we recognize that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the same reverence that you ought to have and you should have that reverence. The same reverence that you ought to have when you walk into this room ought to be the same reverence that you have for God every single day of your life because your whole body is a temple of the Spirit of God. Therefore, you are that sanctified temple of God. Even though you're not in this building, you're walking about in the midst of the world. But as you're walking about in the midst of the world, you recognize that I am sanctified. I am a child of God. So not only is it to be holy, it also means that you are wholly dedicated and surrendered unto a holy God. Amen? You are holy. But at the same time, you are wholly surrendered and dedicated, entirely surrendered, all the way committed. You're not in this walk half-heartedly. You are in this walk 100%. You are dedicated. You are surrendered. You are focused upon God. You are focused upon the things of God. You want the sanctification of God. You have received the sanctification of God once you have been saved, but you continue to walk out that sanctification process as God. God continues to remove the fleshly things from your life and to instill within you the godly things within your life and you grow in that. That ought to be an everyday pursuit. And how do we do that? We do that by walking out the Word of God, living out the Word of God. This is what the Word of God says is right, acceptable, holy, honorable to God. Therefore, I pursue those things within my life. These things over here, these things are the things that God says are are an abomination. These things that God said are are wicked. These things are the things that God said are iniquity. They're transgressions. They're rebellions against God. They're witchcraft. I'm not going to pursue those things. I'm going to abstain from those things within my life. And so the very first thing that God says right here within the will of God uh, that this is the will of God your sanctification that is to abstain. So, the very first thing he says right here, there's something that we need to abstain from. Now, as we look at this, this isn't an exhaustive list that the Apostle Paul is giving here through the Word of God, but this is a particular instance right here that God is saying right here that we need, there's something that we need to abstain from, and that is from sexual immorality. From sexual immorality. Now, when we look in here on the word of God in the King James, it says fornication. Now, fornication is really what, what fornication is, is sex outside of marriage. But the real word here is, is immorality, immorality. And so that, that means any type of sexual relationship or anything sexual whatsoever that, that is outside of the will of God, and, and really that's everything except for a man and a woman being united together in holy matrimony. Anything other than that is ungodly. It's immorality. Amen? And so when we look at this, God's God's word is saying that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now there's that word sanctification again. So, really, when we're beginning to look at this, why do we abstain? We abstain because what we're doing is we are seeking sanctification for our life. We are sanctified. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb, but we want to be more holy. We want to be more godly. We want to have a more intent relationship with Jesus Christ tomorrow and the next day and the next day than I have today. Therefore, I am walking out the will of God. I'm excelling still all the more in the will of god not to not, not 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 to have a better salvation and not to be more saved and certainly not to keep my salvation but that i would be an honorable man or woman of god amen and if you truly love him that that's what your heart is and so he says there in verse three for this is the will of god your sanctification he says there again in verse 4 that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification in honor. There's that word sanctification again. Then in verse 7 he says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So here he's telling us something that we need to abstain from, but what's the purpose of us abstaining from sexual immorality? Same purpose for us uh, abstaining from other things. The Bible says God hates a liar. He hates a lying tongue. (laughs) Amen? So we ought to abstain from lying. And so there's all sorts of things within our life that we need to abstain from. And so as we abstain from those things, what is the purpose of that? The purpose of us is that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we would become more sanctified, that we'd be a better man or a better woman in Jesus Christ, that, that that process of sanctification would continue to grow in our life to where we'd be more and more holy. Now we recognize, we're reminded in the word of God when God is called out, his name is called out. We find that in uh, the book of Isaiah when Isaiah sees the Lord lofty and exalted sitting upon his throne and and the angels are calling out, the seraphim are calling out one to the other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And we see the angels there in the book of Revelation and what do they cry out? Holy, holy, holy is the lord god the almighty and so we see that threefold uh, proclamation of holiness of our god and that means he is absolutely holy he is absolutely holy he is holy in every single way every single shape every single form he is the personification of holiness there is no unrighteousness found in him whatsoever There's no deception found in his tongue. There is no immorality found in him. He is absolute perfect in character and form, and in every single way, he is holy, holy, holy. But you and I are not. Now, in the spirit and the soul, sin's been wiped away, we are washed as clean. And it's pure through the blood of the Lamb and praise God. Today when the Father looks at us, how does He look at us? He looks at us through the lens of the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'd have no relationship with Him. That's how He views us. That's how He sees us. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'd not be able to have any type of relationship with Him whatsoever because He is holy in absolute form and nothing unholy can enter into His presence. The only way that we enter into His presence is through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of His Son. Today our desire ought to be to grow in that holiness, to grow in that sanctification, to continue to increase in that. One of the things that we do is we abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from sexual immorality. The next thing he says right there in verse 5, he says not only do we abstain from sexual immorality, we also, he says in verse uh, in, in verse 4 rather, he says that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. You know how to possess your own vessel. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean that I possess my own vessel? vessel. Your own vessel is your own body. It's your own person. It's you. It's who you are. And so when we look at this, that you possess your own vessel, that you possess your own body, we know how to possess that own body, but how do we do it? We do it in sanctification. We do it in holiness. We do it in reverence towards God. We possess our own vessel. Or we possess our own body in a way that is honorable and pleasing and holy, holy and sanctifying unto a holy God our own body, and honorable. We present ourselves as honorable. So well, why would I present myself as honorable? I, I am a nobody. I am a nothing. I, I, I'm i just an old wretched sinner, right? We, we're told that all the time. We're nothing but old wretched sinners. Well, friend, guess what? I've got some good news for you. You are an old wretched sinner. You were an old wretched sinner. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and now who are you? You're a child of the Most High King. That's who you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of the Most High. You are an adopted heir in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're a child of God. And as a child of God, guess what we need to do? We need to present our vessels. We need to present our body in honor. We need to present ourselves in such a way that we're not being arrogant about it. We're not being boastful about it because what do we have to be arrogant about? We've done nothing to obtain it. We've done nothing uh, to inherit it. We've done nothing to even deserve it. In fact, we deserve the absolute opposite. Amen? Amen? So we're not being boastful and arrogant about it, but this is who I am. I am a child of King. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to present my vessel. I'm going to present my body in a sanctified, holy way that is also honorable, that the world can see and the world will know that I am a child of the King. Not that they would look at me, but they would look at the King. You see, that is the purpose right there. Purpose of the beauty and the splendor of the princess isn't to look at the princess, but to look at the king. Purpose of the honorable uh, uh, presentation of the prince isn't to look at the prince, but to look at the king. To bring him glory. Point people to his majesty. That's what it's all about. Amen? Amen? And so when we do that, when we begin to look at that and begin to understand that we present our bodies in this way, we look in the Word of God and, you know, we, we begin to understand it's through that walk. Amen? It's through that walk. It's through that walk that we walk with the Lord every single day, that we have that uh, genuine relationship with the Lord every single day, and we walk with Him, and we continue to excel all the more in Him. But we also recognize that it's through the gospel, after the Apostle Paul wraps up the gospel, he says this in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to god which is your spiritual service of worship what do we do we present our bodies as a holy and acceptable sacrifice unto god you know when we begin to think about that we begin to understand recognize what it is that god is calling us to do we also recognize the fact that you know we're called to is not just presenting our, 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 our bodies, we're called as presenting ourselves in, in all that we do, in all that we say, in all, uh, every function in which we participate in, everything we do as our vessel, that is the entirety of who we are, every bit of us should represent God. Amen? Every bit of us should represent God. And so as we're recognizing that we are representing God in every bit of who we are and in every bit of who, what we are doing, we also recognize the fact, that, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse thir- 13, it says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God, those alive from the dead, and the members as instruments of righteousness To God. Because I'm saved. Because I'm born again. Because I am bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Because God loved me enough to send his son down to this earth and die for me. I'm not going to present the members of my body any longer as instruments of sin, but instruments of righteousness. And to who? Not to the world but to God. To God. That means every bit of who you are. What's the instruments of your body? Your eyes. I'm not going to let my eyes roam where my eyes don't have any business roaming. Amen? And if I'm not letting my eyes roam to where they have no business roaming, and listen, that's a full-time job in the world in which we live today. Amen? I, I remember as a child, we were driving down the uh, Sunset Boulevard in California. We were driving, we were driving through Hollywood, and as we were driving down there, you know, I, I remember this as a child. I was living in California at the time, and I have no idea what was going on outside the car. But all of a sudden, I saw my mom's hand come around the back seat. She grabbed the back of my head and she slammed it down in the seat. And she looked over at my dad and said, "Get out of here." <laughs> So whatever it was that was going on out there in the street, she didn't want me to see it. And I praise God to this day that I didn't see it. Whatever it was. So as we look the world we live in today, it's a hard thing to do. Amen? But we need to walk in it. Also the things that we allow into our ears. We need to abstain from those things and not to allow those things to enter into our ears, those things that are ungodly, those things that will manipulate our minds, those things that will bring about lies and distractions and confusion. Even lusts and, you know, uh, 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 things of this world, and we don't need to allow that to enter into our ears. Also the things that exit out of our mouth. You know, the Bible says that we're going to be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. Now, praise God, it's all washed, it's all under the blood, but we're going to be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. We need to be careful about the things that we speak, the way that we speak it, the way that we slander people with our tongues. We need to be careful about those things. Not just where our hands roam to and not just where our feet roam to. See, the vessel of of, of your body is the entirety of who you are. So even in the way we present ourselves in our dress, when the Bible talks about modesty, I want you to know it's not just a divine suggestion. It's the word of God talking about modesty. Now, that doesn't mean that we've got to wear Dresses all the way down to her ankles and shirt sleeves all the way down to her wrists. Keep her faces covered with a veil and all of those sorts of things. But friends, we, know, we understand what modesty is. Amen? We understand that you're dressed that way because you're trying to get attention from the opposite sex. And if you're trying to do that, then friends, that's an unmodest thing that you're doing. And the Bible condemns that. Amen? The Bible condemns it. And so we need to walk in that if we're truly going to present our vessels. Present our vessels in sanctification and honor. It says in verse 5, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. Not in those lustful passions, but we're to present our vessels, our bodies in sanctification and honor. Friends, that's an everyday walk. It's an everyday life. It's everyday decisions. It's moment-by-moment decisions. Amen? And the more we walk in that, the more we practice that, the more we're going to live it out. But as we continue to look at that, as we continue to think about that, the Bible not only is talking here about abstaining from uh, immoralities and, and abstaining, abstaining from these lustful passions, things like this. It goes on in verse 6 and it goes on and says and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all things. And so as we look at this, we've already talked about this in the book of First Thessalonians, so I'm not going to get into it a whole lot. We talked about the great commandment. What is the great commandment? It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we already spent some time dealing with that. We look there as we look a little bit lower in this text of Scripture, and we look down there in verse 9, and in verse 9 he says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you or yourselves or are taught by God to love one another for indeed you do not uh, you do practice it towards all of the brethren who are in all of Macedonia but we urge your brethren to excel still more there it is again to excel still more what is a specific command that he gives in verse 6 he says and that no man transgress against his brother no man transgress against his brother. What is a transgression? A transgression is not just sin. Sin is missing the mark. But a transgression is a breaking of the law. What a transgression is, that you have specifically broken the law. You have transgressed against God when you break the law, but you transgress against your brother when you break the law. And who is the brother? That's your fellow brother or sister in Christ Jesus. That's who that is. Your brothers and sisters in Christ is the church of Almighty God, and we certainly don't want to transgress anyone. We we'll don't to break the law in regards to anyone who's our neighbor. That's everyone. Amen? But here he's specifically talking about the brethren, the church. And so when we look at this, he says don't transgress, but he also says don't defraud his brother in the manner." Now, this comes with a warning. It says, because the Lord is the avenger in all things. Bible tells us, the Bible warns us not to seek vengeance on our own because God will take that vengeance. That's serious business. Amen? And, and when you talk about it, you, you, you look at defrauding your, your, your brother. You know, I, I've seen pastors. I've known of pastors. They've been get caught defrauding the church, stealing stealing money from the church, and they've been caught. I don't know if pastors are going to prison because of that church right over here in louisiana that uh, i'm not intimately familiar with the church just remember seeing it on the news and it just blew me away that that this would take place somehow this particular pastor conned the church into uh getting the church's uh building and the church's property put into his own personal name and then all of a sudden he put it up for sale (laughs) i think i said how does that even happen how does that even take place But there's some con artists out there and they're defrauding the brethren. And payday's coming for them. But friends, we need to take that as serious business that we don't defraud our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not walking in sanctification. That is not walking in honor. And you better believe that the great avenger God is going to bring about retribution for those who are walking in such things. See, it goes much more than just financial, though. Much more than just defrauding them financially. But backbiting, gossiping, and slandering, and all of those things are ways in which we could go about defrauding our brothers and our sisters in Christ and friend, the man, the woman of God as walking in sanctification, have no business walking down that path. Amen? We have no business walking down that road. We look here in the Word of God, though, what is the purpose in all this? What's, what's the point in this? I can just say I'm sexually pure. Of course, every child of God's heart ought to be... A desire to be sexually pure that to say that I am a sanctified honor uh, uh, honorable vessel yes that ought to be every christian's desire that ought to be every christian's heart that that ought to be whatever you want us to say that i've never defrauded a brother or sister in Christ that's never been who I am well that's just all bragging rights. <laughs> Amen. Just all bragging rights. It's like that Pharisee that was looking at that tax gatherer that Jesus told us about in Luke chapter 19 when he went into the temple at the hour of prayer. The tax gatherer was praying, Oh God, look at me. All the great wonderful things that I have done. Look at me. And I'm not like that sinner over there. That tax gatherer, he couldn't even lift up his head towards heaven, but just kept beating on his chest and said, Have mercy on me, O God, for I am a sinner. See, one knew who he was and the other one didn't. (laughs) Amen? Why, Jesus said that Pharisee was praying thus to himself. Thus to himself. He wasn't praying to God. You've got two types of folks in the church. You've got the kind of folks that walk it out. They truly do walk it out. They walk it out not for the right reasons, though, because they just want everybody to look at them and say, Oh, what a mighty man, what a mighty woman of God that is. Oh, let's just give them that great big old pat on the back. Look how good and honorable and holy that they are, not realizing how detestable they are in the sight of God because they're doing it all for the purpose of pride. What was the other type? The other type knows they deserve nothing of God. Nothing. Oh, well, let me rephrase it. We do deserve something. We deserve damnation. Amen? But God chooses to give them grace instead. For that reason, that reason alone, they're going to live out a life that's pleasing and honorable to a holy God, First of all, God says right here, he says in verse verse 5, he said, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. That's not how we live. See, mostly in the church of Thessalonica, mostly those were the folks that were getting saved were Gentiles. They came out of a lifestyle where those things were acceptable to the Gentile world. All all of those ways of immorality, it was very common for them to participate in all of those immoral things, all of those immoral acts, because that's what the Gentile world did. It was a common everyday part of life to defraud one another. Because that's what the Gentile world did. And friends, that's what our world today is doing. We live in that pagan world. We live in that pagan society right here, right now today. That is the world in which we live in. We live in that pagan society that that thinks nothing of every kind of sexual perversion. And I I mean, it it is just appalling. That's what the world does But the Word of God says that's not what you do. We think nothing of stabbing one another in the back in the world in which we live in today to defraud one another, to step on one another, to squash one another. Just so long as I get to climb the rungs of that ladder, I'm okay. I could care less about you. But the Word of God says that's not what you do. But it's not just for the purpose of not being like the world. And no, we're not to be like the world, but not for the purpose of just not being like the world. What does he say there in verse 7? For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but sanctification. Not for the purpose of impurity, but for the purpose of sanctification. That's what God has called us to. Not to just say, well, I'm not like those heathen. <laughs> no, I want to be who God's called me to be, who God is shaping me to be. I can't do it on my own, I can't do any of it on my own. Can't be saved on my own. That is abundantly clear as through the grace of God. And I cannot grow on my own. That is also through the grace of God. But the more I seek Him, the more I search His Word and say, you know what, that's what God says that I need to abstain from. So to give God honor and glory and be the man and woman of God that God wants me to do, I'm going to walk that out and I'm going to excel all the more for the purpose, not just say, well, so I'm not going to be like the world or you know, let everybody look at me and say how righteous and holy I am. No, because that's who God's called me to be. Those are the things that God's told me to abstain from. These are the things that God's told me I need to do. So, not just about abstaining from things, but God's told me there's some things over here. These are things I need to do. These are things I need to chase after. These are things that I need to pursue. So, I'm going to get after it wholeheartedly. Why? Because that's what God's called me to. What is God's purpose for your life? I don't know who God wants you to marry. I don't know what God, kind of job God wants you to have. I don't know where God wants you to live. People come up to me all the time and say, you know, Brother Rusty, I feel like you know, God might be calling me this direction or that direction or the other. What do you think about it? Well, I can't tell you if God's calling you to do that, but I can tell you if you seek Him, He's going to let you know. But I could also tell you if you're walking out the everyday small steps that he's called you to walk out every day, walking out those little steps when it comes to the big steps, friends, they're going to be much more easy to make. Amen? You're going to know it all the more. That's where God wants me to go. That's what God wants me to do. That's the direction and the path that God wants me to pursue. And you're going to know that you know that you know. Amen? But it starts with those little steps. Are you walking those out today? are you just focused on the big stuff? Not really concerned with the things of God and the little stuff, just focused on the big stuff. Oh friend, there's a whole lot you're missing out on. Amen. You're missing out on so many blessings every day, every moment. Pursue God in those. Now He's got you no matter what. If you're saved, you're saved. You're glory bound. Praise God for it. But it could be a whole lot smoother path from here to there. (laughs) Doesn't mean everything's always going to be easy. Doesn't mean that you're never going to have problems, trials. Within your life, of course you will. But even in those, you'll make that way a whole lot easier. You're just pursuing Him Day by day. Amen. Right now, as our praise team makes their way up this direction, if you will, stand. First of all, if you're not saved today, there's absolutely nothing you could do to please God. There's not a single solitary thing that you could do to please God if you're not saved. The only thing that will please him is your repentance, your salvation. Come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you're not saved today, then I invite you to come today and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Today, would you make that decision? I don't know exactly what to do, Brother Rusty. Well, come on down here. I'll lead you in it. I'll talk to you. All you have to do is place your faith and trust in Jesus to be saved. But I'll talk to you about it. Be more than happy to. Can't get it settled right here this morning. We'll continue to talk about it. Amen. But if you're here, if you're saved, you know you're saved, you know you're born again, all you're focused on is the big picture. The things of God. And you're not focused on those everyday small steps. Friends, come today in repentance. start seeking Him even in the small things those small steps lead to big steps those small steps lead to big decisions small decisions lead to big decisions seek Him in that today He'll never leave you nor forsake you how do I know that because His word has given us that promise you come as God so lead. Would you bow your heads, Christians praying as we sing. You know you, The song is Just As I Am and that's how he wants you to come this morning,
1: just as you are. You can't make yourself right, you can't get just good enough. You need Jesus to do that this morning. So heads bowed, Christians praying. If you need to move, you move right now and we'll sing. Just as I am, just as I am without